an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Peanut, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Chris, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday afternoon? Good, man. Just uh, ready for the finals at this point. Does We're, just not mean I'm gonna be We're just cutting to the chase today. We're just cutting to the chase today, yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to TNT it like uh, they have where they're like, ooh, ooh vacation, because... I'm not going to do that, but yeah, this, uh, I don't know how much more of this Boston, uh, Miami series I can take just from the the blowouts and everything else, but I'm good. I'm doing okay. That's wonderful to hear. Um, on today's show, we'll be talking Warriors, Mavericks, and your two favorite teams, the Celtics and the Heat, believe it or not. Um, we will also open up the mailbag, but first, a quick reminder to please keep your emails coming, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Um, all right, Chris, so despite you and I both picking the Mavs in six, like the geniuses that we are, the Warriors are in the finals for the sixth time in eight years after a dominant Game 5 win at home last night. I'll just throw this question to you at the top. What about this surprised you the most? Was it, and I mean, when I say this, I mean, either you could answer it, the, the, the fact that they are back, or just how the series played out. Is it Andrew Wiggins and just... I guess like him just completely embracing this new role in this new environment and just thriving. Is it Jordan Poole who 
just has ascended over the past few months, really, to um, be this really devastating offensive weapon and just exactly what this offense needs, just a perfect fit. Is it is it Clay who... Clay is just I don't even know is he is he a human being it's unclear Um, another eight three-pointer performance for him in a closeout game he's magical it's this is like a Cinderella story even though he was never really that much of an underdog just like what what are you what is surprising you about this this Warriors team in this run it's all of it man like and and first of all as I've been doing all week uh, to people that have emailed and tweeted and everything else i will i will hold this l as far as um <laughs> like look you 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 picked them i wrote a column about why they would win the series it's a little bit different um the the levels the thresholds so you know i and it, I, I wrote a column basically laying out like the five reasons i thought they would win the series um three or four of the reasons that i mentioned like actually happened in this series and it didn't matter essentially because the warriors are the warriors um, you know, the the Mavs at times outshot the the Warriors. I think they might have hit more threes for the series. Obviously, they took a lot more, too. So you have to factor that part of it in. Um, you know, they did win the turnover battles. Again, not by as much as I think they probably needed to. Luka did play out of his mind for parts of this series and, and well enough for them to have won more than the one game. Um, so a lot of those things happened. And ultimately, it didn't matter. I think the thing that surprised me most about the series was Wiggins and <laughs> being able to get that much aggression out of him. Uh, he was relentless about how he attacked Luka in this series in a way that I didn't see coming. I actually think that probably had more impact on how he individually was defending Luka. Luka wasn't like in a straitjacket with, with Wiggins guarding him. He did fine uh, throughout the series. So that, that wasn't. It, but I do think he exerted, Luke exerted a lot of energy having to defend him. And um, Mm -hmm. I think that had a big role in that fourth quarter of game two, where the Mavs just kind of let go of the rope and couldn't make any stops defensively, where literally every time down they they had a basket. I think they missed four shots, but they rebounded like two or three of them and scored off those two. So um, they just keep coming at you. It doesn't really matter what advantages you have in a series. They're kind of like this um, anamorph, this. you know, they they just kind of shape shift to do what they need to do. Kevon Looney, <laughs> Animorphs. Um, yeah, I don't know where that <laughs> yes. came from. I guess I'm a '90s kid. Um, I never watched this show, by the way, so I really don't know where that came from. Um, but Kevon Looney, um, you can't say enough about him and how big they were on the glass. Thirty three percent offensive rebounding rate last night. Um, I think seventeen second chance points, eighteen in, in one of the games earlier in the series. It's huge in a series like mm-hmm. this, and they could barely keep up enough to defend the Warriors. But then when you add in how spread out they are, it, it presented opportunities. By the way, I think Wiggins has more off of re- offensive rebounds in the playoffs this postseason than uh, Looney does. Um, and that he's actually leading the, the NBA in, in offensive rebounds this postseason, uh, I think. So it's, it, it just tells you a lot about the many ways in which everybody on this team can hurt you and everybody on this team did hurt uh, Dallas at one point in the series. Yeah, their offensive rating was 120, I believe, in this series. Uh, the, sto- the That was kind of the story to me. I thought Luka played pretty great besides Game 1 and the first half of Game 5 game last five, night. Yeah. Like He just didn't look like he was—I mean, he was very frustrated, it was clear. 
from the jump when he would attack the rim. It seemed like he was getting hit a little bit, getting scra- like getting raked on his arms on these drives and not getting the whistle and that impacted his his defense and his work and transition and his effort in different other other areas of the game which was a little disappointing to see and then he had that monstrous third quarter but the story of the series to me was more um dallas's inability to guard yeah golden state's offense and i thought one of the reasons why i picked them in addition to just luca being tremendous was i thought it was a bet on their three-point shooting I thought that Maxi Kleber and Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith and these guys would be able to knock down the open threes that uh, yeah. and Reggie Bullock, who famously went 0 for 10 or 0 for 7 from behind the, the arc in, I forget which game, game three, I want to say. Game game um, three, put him down 3 Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was tough. Um, I thought their defense would be able to kind of settle into the series i had a lot of respect for dallas's defense all season long i wrote about you know months ago i wrote about um back in january how their defense was why they should be considered a stealth contender and they just couldn't get stops uh -hmm. all series long really and that was a little little surprising to me and kevon looney who i tweeted last night deserved the Magic Johnson Award for his offensive rebound, his work on the Dog, offensive glass. Don't have the Warriors. Don't have the Warriors fans hop in your mentions and look up your old bad tweets, bro. Saying stuff like that, they're gonna come <laughs> for you. They're gonna find you. That address you gave to Shelby to send that equipment, they gonna find you, bro. <laughs> they, they absolutely are. Um, so, do you do you consider? The the Warriors to be the favorite right now. We don't know who's going to come out of the East, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about the Mavs and what they can do this offseason a little bit as well. But do you consider the Warriors the favorite after what we saw from them in this series and just how impressive they looked? What I'll say, it's weird. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some people about this offline. Um, and and pick against them in the finals necessarily. I think if they get Miami, I think most people would do that. Um, I think Boston matches up pretty well against them. Um, do I think that they should be favored? I expect that they're going to be favored no matter what now. I think that kind of traditionally happens when one team takes out a really hot opponent, a really hard-to-guard opponent like Luka and, and the guys that surround him. And I do think that it, it wasn't a sexy pick to pick the Mavs, but it did feel like there were a lot of people doing it, a lot of people I respect doing it and seeing kind of the the upside of picking them. Um, I do think to some extent uh, the Warriors take this personally, that, you know, that it's been a while since they've been on this stage, that they have at least as much talent as anybody left, probably more, um, and that they're really, really good defensively when they want to be. They're really, really good offensively most of the time. Um, so I, I I do think they're going to be the favorite. Um, like I said, I think it, it, it's I think it's an interesting matchup, and I have to give thought to really who I feel most strongly about if it's Boston. And I think most people are assuming Boston will take care of the series tonight. Um, but I, I do think that, and I've thought this for a couple of years now, that Boston is one of the few teams that has enough guys to kind of defend and match up against them seemingly. So I expect that they'll be favored, but I don't think that – I think that that can and probably will be a tougher series for them than Dallas was. 
Yeah, I. we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with who's going to come out of the East. It is looking like Boston right now. Boston has played Golden State tough ever since the Warriors became the Warriors, and their ability to switch off-ball as well as on-ball can really muck up that offense. And the Heat are not the Warriors on offense at all. But if you look at the assist rate that Miami has had in this series, it's just absolutely plummeted because Boston, when Boston wants to lock in and switch everything and force you to isolate, it's just really and – and then isolate against Grant Williams or Al Horford yeah. or Tatum or even Derek White, who has really played tremendous basketball in this series – it's just it, it's just not fair, really. It's really difficult to generate efficient offense. So I'm interested to see if if it is Boston, um, can they halt this offense? Can they do, I guess, what the Houston Rockets did in 2018 when they forced mm. that Warriors team to really isolate? And that Warriors team had Kevin Durant. <laughs> I know, and that is why that Warriors Man, what team a great prevailed that because was. that dude, all-time great series. Um, so will will this will I think that that is a concern if you are the Warriors um, because I think that this Boston Celtics defense is better than that Houston Rockets defense, and this Warriors offense does not have Kevin Durant. So it's just it's going to be very very interesting. And then um, to that point, like health really matters too yeah and i just yeah. want i want marcus smart to be healthy i want rob williams to be healthy i want um gary payton the second to be healthy Otto porter andre Iguodala. i just want everyone to be healthy i hope that the, that the potential five games off between now and whenever game one of the finals is i hope that guys can rest and get better and we get like a good finals as opposed to you know these conference finals games are just like, yeah. You know, I mean, let's, I'm, I'm uh, gonna make the critique that we've been making privately. Um, I don't like the league having these games every other night. I mean, it's just not. You know, it, it's it's a toss up to see whether guys will be available. We watched the way Jimmy Butler's dominating the series up until he just doesn't have it anymore. Or he's banged up. It, it 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 sucks. And so the finals hopefully will be a nice respite from that in terms of just getting buying guys extra time and. You know, and the upside if Boston does close out the series tonight, which I'm going to stop saying that because I don't care. I don't really care, um, but I do think it would be nice just for the teams to have adequate rest uh, going into the finals, as opposed to kind of a short break if we get seven games in that series. I don't like dipping in and out of the outline and jumping down and around, sure. but there's actually this email that just makes a lot of sense to bring up now as opposed yeah, to revisiting ahead. it later, and it comes from comes from Sean, who writes, uh, Hi, Michael, Rohan, and Chris. Long-time listener. Great show. Very informative and entertaining. I have been watching the NBA for a long time. I mostly don't root for any team, but just want a competitive game. Here's my question. Why on earth are we getting so many blowouts this year? It feels like every other day we are seeing teams take turns to forget how to play basketball. What is going on? Um, and this is this is just thank you, Sean, for that email. This is, you know, this is something that we've, we just kind of, you just answered, I guess, like, is it just the scheduling? Is it the the injuries? Is it the three-point line and the advent of that and the continued accelerated revolution of just 
all the threes that we're seeing. I, like, I don't, I don't really have an answer beyond those possibilities. Uh, do you have any theories beyond that, Chris, to explain what we're seeing with these lopsided games? And it's kind of, I don't know, it's a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. No, I, th- I think that absolutely is part of it. Um, <laughs> go back to that Bucks Celtics series, man. Like the way those guys were hitting the floor every other play, every play at times, um, it would have been a miracle if guys didn't have to miss time as a result of that. Um, so you've had the injuries, you've had the nagging injuries. Um, I absolutely think the three-point shooting is part of it, um, where <laughs> you you referenced the Houston um, Golden State series from – I think you were saying 2018. Um, and we yeah. all remember how Houston just went bone dry from three uh, with the 27 missed threes in a row. And during that Mavs series, I still can't believe Mavs that series, <laughs> Dude, I mean, that, that was like an alternate universe, that game. Uh, but, I mean, that there were times where the Mavs looked like that too <laughs> in this series against Golden State where, I mm-hmm. mean, they were missing everything. And you talked about Bullock having the – the 0 for 10 game in game three. Uh, I mean, the Mavs really, even after their first two losses of the series, there still was reason to think that they could potentially win the series just because they missed so many open shots. I went back and looked at the statistics for it. They're, and not just shots, wide open shots. They were shooting in this series, I think, 33% on wide open threes, which would have been worse than the NBA over the course of – the season it would have been worse than the piston shot while they were wide open from three so when you have Damn. teams missing that many shots and you know and they kept saying it on tnt for the first couple games of the series other than jalen brunson basically everybody was taking threes for the maps they weren't really going in and, and drawing contact and going to the basket so 50 55 of their shots were threes for a while um and when you're missing most of them and they're wide open uh, that is going to have a huge swing. And so you get, you know, the experts and the analysts and the, the shot doctors and everybody else that go back and calibrate what the score would have been if everybody made the shots you would expect them to make. You would expect the, the Mavs to make a lot more of their open shots than they did. So it swung the score by sometimes 15, 20, 25 points uh, in these games. We've seen it happen, obviously, with the Celtics and the Heat as well. The difference there, I think, is that um, when the Celtics don't score, a lot of times it does feel like they're just missing a lot of shots or they're just throwing the ball around, which, granted, Miami influences that with throwing the ball away. They're playing Jalen Brown a certain mm-hmm. way to you know, to get the ball out of his hands, to knock the ball out of his hands. Um, the Heat, on the other hand, just look like they're in hell um, where they just are not getting good looks. Bam is aggressive one moment, not the next. Jimmy is not right, seemingly. Kyle Lowry is certainly not right, or if he is, then he's at the very end of his, his career. So I would prefer to think that he's just not right. Um, and obviously, Hero's not out there. So you've had some really, really substantial injuries in this series. Rob Williams is a substantial injury for Boston, even if he's not the best matchup for the last series we just came out of. Uh, he's a huge, huge deal. When it, or I'm sorry, not the, the last series, but when he, um, remember when Ime Udoka basically said, we he could have played, but we held him out. We just kind of felt like we should. Um, so when he yes, yeah. So he said that it was kind of a matchup thing at that point. Did you see the blocks this man? Had? I know you did, but like the blocks where this man is like basically he still has one foot in the lane and he's blocking corner threes. 
those are injuries that really fundamentally shift a series aside from just the normal we're not going to play this guy we're only going to play this guy in these situations because of matchup stuff like it, it changes stuff fundamentally when you've got to plug people in and play them long minutes Peyton Pritchard can be wonderful sometimes but playing him long minutes got him targeted to begin this series um you know so before you before you go and i don't mean to cut you off chris but um rohan just texted me to let everyone know that peyton pritchard is his favorite player now um i don't know when that happened or how that happened but continue i just wanted to 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 make sure everybody said that that. yeah that's Uh, yeah that's what he said that's true rohan in your phone (laughs) absolutely um so yeah i mean it, it it was bound to fundamentally shift the injuries are the biggest part. The three-point shooting absolutely plays a role in it too. But um, I will agree with our with our the person that wrote in though. These games have been hard to watch, and you know you you kind of want to feel like you're building up to a crescendo with all this stuff. And um, <laughs> I joked the last game, the last Celtics Heat game, that I said, "Lord, like if I would I would be you know I'll be a good person like if you give me just one." good conference finals game one competitive game and it was competitive and then you know basically the guy was like well you didn't say it had to be like a pretty competitive game it's just competitive it's close but it was ugly and um i mean and then you have that and then you got the mavs warrior series which even after the mavs won game four it didn't feel like they were going to you know so i don't know it's been rough i i feel like the league if they haven't already need to rethink the idea of building in more space um because now, you know, now it's going to feel like we have all these gaps for the finals. It would be better to just have stuff spread out, run the finals a little bit later, in my opinion. Yeah, it's something that Mark Cuban spoke about with the play-in tournament and how that kind of crunched things. But um, And I don't really know. I'm not smart enough to understand the schedule and how it works. But I do know that the Celtics in round one had... I want to say they played on a Tuesday. They played a game two on a Tuesday against the Nets. And then I think game three was Saturday. And I I just don't understand how that happens. And then we can't spread it out a little bit. I know the TV schedule is also a thing and everyone, they they want games every other night or every night, but yeah, it it was a bummer. Um, All right, Chris, I have this question now coming in from Eric, going back to the Warriors for a second. Eric Mm -hmm. writes, hi, Mike, Chris, and Rohan. Greetings from a happy city by the bay. With Andrew Wiggins contributing greatly to another Warriors finals run and Jonathan Kuminga looking like a potential all-star, where does the D-Lo for Wiggins and Kuminga trade rank in recent heists? Wiggins is most definitely overpaid. But the Warriors don't make the finals without him, and D'Lo was basically played off the floor in the series clincher for Memphis. Throw Kuminga in and talk about a lopsided trade. Uh, Keep up the good work. Thank you, Eric, for that email. Um, This trade is uh, pretty brutal, I would say, (laughs) for for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Yeah, I mean... I don't think look I when this happened I I remember being pro what the Warriors did I thought that anytime you get someone who can theoretically be a positive defender who's more athletic who plays a greater position of need um 
doesn't need the ball in his hands to put him next to Steph and Clay and all those guys. That just made a lot of sense to me. And then you throw in the draft asset, like a lottery pick. I mean, yeah, that it, it just seemed from the jump like that was a plus regardless of the contract situations and the age of the two players. Um, what do you th- I Like, I don't know what other, I can't think of any other like quote unquote heist. Like, I don't know if this is on like a, I don't think this is slash. I know it's not on like a Harden level with the thunder and the rockets no. or anything like that. Exactly. Like, but it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty big win for the warriors. Like undoubtedly. Yeah. No, no question. I mean, I, I think, Really, and if you go all the way back to when, because remember, D'Lo came on, I think, as a result of the Durant stuff, when Durant um, was leaving Correct, the it was a sign-and-trade. It was yeah. the sign-and-trade. And so a lot of people kind of scratched their heads, and they were like, what does D'Lo do for us? Uh, but the thought was, you know, and there were a lot of thoughts going on at the time, was kind of like, okay, he may be a fit, you know, long-term fit because he can shoot. He's a really outstanding passer at times. Um, you know, but also he's another – he's not giving you much defensively. So, like, there were a lot of us that really weren't huge fans of the Warriors acquiring him. But very quickly, and I imagine, you know, Bob Myers probably talks to people throughout the league, um, people that, you know, cover the team and stuff like that. Um, the thinking got out there very quickly – whether it was him saying that or somebody else to reporters, uh, yeah, we're going to pick him up because we can always move him somewhere if we need to. Um, he'll be enough of an asset where we can – it would be better – like you don't you don't gain anything by not getting anything back for KD. You're already yeah. above the cap. I think they were already in the luxury tax anyway. So you weren't gaining anything by just losing the guy. So getting something back and a, a relatively young player who I think he'd been an all-star once before that, maybe? Um, can't yes. remember. So, I mean, like, you know, th- there was enough of an allure around him to where they were con- they were pretty confident they'd be able to trade him. So then you have some time to kind of figure out how he fits within what you do. And if I remember correctly, that was the year that Steph broke his hand, his finger, like really early in the season, if I remember, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um so you didn't get much of a chance to see him with anybody that was going to be long-term. Draymond, I think, was in and out of the lineup that year, too. Um, you didn't get much of a chance, but also you saw – you got a chance to see D'Lo's flaws. Maybe, you know, if his work ethic is something that's criticized, like you would see that up close if that's the case. I don't know what played into it, but my hunch would just be that, like, he's not a great defender and sometimes his offense isn't consistent enough to justify what he gives up defensively. He's not really a switchable sort of guy, in my opinion, not great from that standpoint, the way that so many of your other guys are. And if you can go out and find a piece that is maybe not the greatest value on paper, which that was what Wiggins was, but can fit your team better through a contextual standpoint, you go do it. And that's essentially what they did. Um, is that they made that move, uh, and Wiggins at full strength, you're not asking Wiggins to do that much, maybe in spots. And that's what we saw in this Dallas series. But, um, if you can unlock a different part of his game, it's a completely different conversation to have somebody like him who has, we've said for years, this is what everybody said. Wiggins has the potential 
and he's got the ability and he's got the athleticism to do some really crazy stuff. Guess what we saw in this series, aside from like the greatest dunks and sliced bread? That didn't even make sense. I'm really sleepy. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that dunk was insane. And we, again, playing, just doing enough to make Luca have to work. And mm-hmm. that was all they needed him to do in this series. And that's enough. And, and I don't think you would have been talking about anything that uh, D'Lo did defensively to help win you a series. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he could really – I guess he'd make Luka work, but it's a little bit different, like the size difference there. Having another wing to throw out there, which is part of how the Warriors have won some of the titles they've won anyway, just having so much wing depth to guard guys, LeBron and everybody else, that's helpful in a series like this. Um, and so that it, it was a great move just from that perspective, not to even mention Kaminga, who um, obviously will be a piece there if they want him there for a long time. Do you buy the Kuminga looking like a potential all-star comment? I haven't seen that, but he's had moments. He's had moments. I mean, he had really nice moments uh, earlier in the series when they plugged him in. So did Moody, quite frankly. Uh, You know, so it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, It's a little bit scary. I love that Kirk kind of rolled them out at a time where there wasn't as much riding on it um, to get them the experience. It was very smart, in my opinion. Of course, you have to love where they're at from that standpoint. Um if you can win a title while having those guys and not having to have dealt them, which obviously, you know, there are conversations about that all the time when you've got a mismatch of ages, seemingly it's a, it's a dream scenario for the Warriors, obviously right now. Yeah. I think pool changed everything for them. Well, a lot, a lot of things happened, but regarding Wiggins and his role and what they need from him offensively, if Wiggins can be your fourth option, which is what he is, then you're very good. Um, you're very, very, very good. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until four, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough 
introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. All right, let's let's move on from Golden State. Let's jump in to talk about the Mavericks real quick. Um, we have this email from Manuel who writes, Hey guys, hope you're doing great. As I was finishing watching the Warriors-Mavs game, a dark thought crossed my mind. Is it possible that this Dallas run is similar to the Hawks last year? Two overrated teams that finally showed all their problems in a playoff series after being schooled by a well-structured veteran team. Keep up the great work and sorry for my somber tone. Just a fan being a fan. Uh, thank you, Manuel. Um, I I don't know what to say about Dallas and Dallas's future. I guess we'll just take this question and talk about where the Mavericks go from here. They obviously still have Luka Doncic. He just signed that rookie max extension. Um so they have him locked up for the foreseeable future. He will go down as one of the great playoff, um, I guess, great offensive players in NBA postseason history. I'm pretty confident I can say that already. Um, he's just absolutely absurd. Did not need a second all-star to take his team to the conference finals this year. Uh, in the third quarter of game five, he was hitting shots last night that – I'm just like, oh, they're going to – we were texting about this. I was just like, they're going to win this game because they have Luka. That's yeah. so, that was going through my head. Like They this got it to is, what, six or no seven? No one else can do what he does. I think nine was – maybe seven. Yeah, no, maybe I thought it was seven. like 92-85 um, at one point or something, yeah. You might be right. You might be right, yeah. And I was just like, all they got to do is get like two or more stops, and I think Luka's going to score or create an open three every single time for the rest of the game. So um, – Obviously, that did not happen, but they have Luka. That's wonderful. They seem to have bought into Jason Kidd and Sean Sweeney's defensive, um, just the defensive culture that they're trying to instill there. They have pretty versatile defenders. They have guys who are two-way in the sense that they can defend multiple positions and shoot threes, which is key. But to answer the question, are they the Hawks? Like, I would. I'm not going to say I'd be surprised or shocked if Dallas got to back to the conference finals next year. But I will say that the Western Conference is going to be something else next season if yeah. Kawhi Leonard is healthy, if Jamal Murray is healthy. Those are two like absolute juggernauts. You have even just like okay, you have Memphis that's going to be not going anywhere. Presumably the Phoenix Suns aren't going anywhere. We have the Warriors, obviously. Even a team like Portland with Dame Lillard coming back, and they seem like they're trying to win right now. They're going to make some moves this offseason to get win-now players to, to go with him, to with Dame. Like, I, I, I the West is just, it's crazy next year. And I don't know, I don't know if Jalen Brunson and, I don't know if he is the answer. He played terrific for them. Um, giving him a ninety million, giving him a hundred million dollar deal, I don't. I, I don't know if I would do that. And so we could see a drop in talent. Um, which is what are your thoughts on Dallas? Kind of where they go in the short term here. That question is the really fascinating one to me. Which, by the way, I mean, <laughs> maybe it's that I covered a New York team, um, but you live right out there. I mean. The idea that, you know, the Knicks 
writers, the Knicks beat writers, have been writing about Jalen Brunson as if he's a Nick already. Not because he's so clear to be one, but just because it's so clear that the Knicks want to be in on a play for him. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, scouting reports on him. I've seen fans that I follow doing scouting reports on him, everything else. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting from that standpoint because he's heavily coveted elsewhere. He's obviously played very well this postseason. But it's weird because I don't think he, like, raises the ceiling of this team. He's not – it would be different if he were doing this at 19 or 20 or 21. He's 20 – he turns, I think, 26 in another month or two, if I remember correctly, um, which that's mm-hmm. what happens when you play, you know, the majority of your college eligibility out. He's a, a fantastic player. Um, he's – you know, he's not as bad as people would have you think defensively or anything like that. But he – you know, we've kind of seen what this team is with him. Now they will be they will miss him terribly if he's not back. Um, but I thought actually the most interesting takeaway from last night, Mark Stein was interviewing um Mark Cuban on television after the game. And Mark Cuban actually spoke like essentially like it's a done deal that he'll be back. Um he basically said, you know, we we have to figure out what we're gonna do this season after we bring back JB. I was like, oh. Um, and then Mark Stein very wisely followed up. He was like, so you're like saying that he will be back. Um, and he's like, well, obviously we can pay him more than anybody else, which it is Mark Cuban talking like he's got money. Um, so it was just kind of fascinating to hear him say that without knowing what the Knicks might do, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It, he's going to make 20 million a year at least. And, uh, it's a lot of money to put on your cap. He's a, a very, very good player that, the team does not have, you know, readily available like a, a player that can fill that role if he's not there. So you you obviously want to bring him back, but it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you serious money to do it. And like, here's the one other thing I'll say, and I'll be quick about it. I don't think it's fair to. You can maybe talk about the Hawks' run last year, but keep in mind the Hawks had not made the playoffs before. So Dallas has made it the last three years, this season included. Um. This jump was, I won't say out of nowhere. To some people, it probably felt that way. They almost won around the last two seasons anyway. So I, I feel like it's a fundamental difference. You know, we had those conversations for a while about, wow, has Tracer passed Luca? And felt like the answer was no. Uh, you know, just in terms of like who you would rather have, who you'd rather build around. It was always Luca. Um, I think this year at least kind of ends that argument because now he's been to the same level that Trey has. Um, they're going to be in the conversation. They need more. Uh, I don't know if there's enough in the trade asset category for them to trade for what they need. Um, they're not going to get what they need through free agency. So it, it's interesting to see where they're at. You absolutely want Brunson back, but I, it's difficult because you don't want to spend so much on someone that doesn't lift your ceiling. And I don't know that he does that, um, but you obviously really, really need him back too. Like we're talking about Luca needing to have a, a less of a workload at some point and Brunson going somewhere else does not accomplish that at all. Um, but having him back doesn't really lessen Lucas workload either. So I'll be very interested to see what they do and what they even can do. They really need to address the center position seemingly. I have a quick trivia question for you, Chris. Sure. Who is the second highest paid player on the Dallas Mavericks right now for next season? It's not Jalen Brunson who made 1.8 million this season. Um, if I had to guess, 
I'm going to go with Dinwiddie. You're making a You're face, close. so it's not it's not Dinwiddie. Is close. it Berta- is it Bertans? It is not no Bertans. Bertans doesn't close. make more than Dinwiddie. Um, Hardaway. You got it. You got Which it. He'll be, um, he'll, be, he'll be a big factor for them next year potentially. He would have been really useful I, in this series. One hundred percent. So that's why I bring it up. I think he has his flaws for sure. And I don't know if they could have defended in this playoff run as well as they they did before the Warriors series um, with Tim Hardaway and their rotation. But he does give you some more three-point shooting. He does give you a little bit more spice offensively. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with that contract, which which goes down and reduces in in value every single year. I think it, it goes from 19.6 next year to 17.8 the following year to 16.1 Interesting. in 2025. So is that is that tradable? Can they um somebody you know, would take his deal. some kind of future asset? I, I I think so, maybe. I mean so that's just something to keep keep an eye on because I feel like he kind of fell out of out of sight out of mind minus the fact that he was a reason why the Dallas Mavericks were fined like five hundred thousand dollars in this playoff run <laughs> for their bench decorum um, <laughs> but but I don't I don't know what I mean they have a trade exception of 10 million from the Josh Richardson trade um, I believe still I don't know when exactly that expires so they have some moves but I'm just interested to see what how how they kind of go forward and if it's they do commit to what they already have is it could be a mistake we'll see um interesting stuff an epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise. The fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Okay, Chris, let's... Is there anything else you want to say about the Mavs before we kind of close the book on them and move on and talk about the Eastern Conference Finals? No, let's talk about that briefly, Eastern. Okay, so obviously tonight is Game 6 in Boston. The Miami Heat have scored 80 and 82 points in the past two games. Obviously, they're banged up. We covered that a little bit. But Boston's defense has been... Kind of incredible, I think. Just what has impressed you the most about Boston in this series so far? And is there anything that surprised you? Is there Are there any players or pieces that you didn't expect to play this well? Or are you even not that impressed with Boston and you think that the injuries no, 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 to I Miami am. have kind of short-circuited their ability? No, it can be a little bit of both. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm not impressed with what Boston's done. I mean, as we talk about just the importance of Boston's depth. You can't help but notice someone that you wrote about earlier in the year in uh, Derek White, just how big he's been, really even going back to the Buck series for a half here or there of just peerless shooting, you know, enough off-the-bounce ability to just kind of surprise you here and there. Um, and obviously the defensive awareness and, and the aggression that he shows, um, that stuff is really helpful. I mean, the IQ shows up everywhere with, with Al Horford. Uh, it, it, it's just it's one guy after another that just kind of really impacts the game. And I don't think, you know, like I, the worst trope that's out there, and it's not to knock them because I like them, I deal with all of them personally, and Breen's not guilty of this, he's just calling the game. But Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson will talk about, like, you just got to want it more. And it's like that's not what this is when – you can't, on the one hand, talk about how half this team is undrafted, and then on the other hand, talk about how they don't want it badly enough because you know, obviously, it looks a certain way when you're down eighteen to one to start a game or whatever the hell it was. But like, I'm watching Gabe Vincent run around like a madman. He's giving effort every moment. Um, I think they're trying. I just think that this was my concern with Miami earlier in the series. Their offense does not always look very pretty if certain things aren't like it's very much like a rhythm you know that their offense has to it it's really heavily dependent on handoffs it's really heavily dependent on shooting it's really heavily dependent on Tyler Hero it used to be really heavily dependent on Duncan Robinson you can't play all those guys depending on the situation you know that's been the case with Duncan Robinson for a while now you you can't play Tyler Hero at all if he's not you know capable of playing because of injuries and Jimmy Butler obviously is a big factor. Like if he's not 100% right, and Ime Udoka basically said it. Like we, we got to start playing Butler like he's a big if he's not going to shoot, if he's not going to show the aggression that he's showing when he is 100% right. We'd be stupid to overplay him uh, as far as the way we're going to play defense against him. So it, it changes the way that they're being defended, and it changes what Miami could actually do if Jimmy can't take advantage of that. So that, you know, really leaves you with who? Like Bam Adebayo to just be as aggressive as he was in, what was that, game three? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, Miami could do it. 
But I, I really kind of feel like if there's one team that was capable of winning this series at less than full strength, I would have picked Boston just because they've got more. I won't say they have more depth, but they certainly have more guys that can score within that depth, I think. Miami's got a lot of guys that are going to give a ton of effort. That's why it bothers me that you know that it's being painted in any way as if it's like they're not trying hard enough. I think they want this badly. I don't think they have enough horses. and um, So that's kind of where I'm at with all of it. I'm just looking at some of the lineup data right now as you were talking, Chris, for the Celtics because I wanted to say, oh, wow, look at um, Boston's starting five. The defensive rating is so great. Um, <laughs> that is not the case. Um, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Rob Williams at third. They've only played 11 minutes together in this series due to Rob being out, due to Marcus being out. Just in, Al Horford didn't play in game one. Their defensive rating though is 123.8 that's just really i know that there's been blowouts and so like everything in the small sample size is like truly wonky that kind of like caught me off guard a little bit though i did not anticipate seeing such a high number and this is just such a weird series where game three was the game where i was like when bam just because i attended the first four games of the series and i thought the the environment in game three i was like oh my god coming off the, the blowout win in game two it was just like oh my goodness like the celtics are gonna absolutely steamroll this team they got horford back they got marcus smart back yeah and then bam i just thought they might win it in out. five for sure yeah yeah and then bam just came out in game three and was unguardable and he was a superstar on both ends um so that game like really made me a little hesitant to so definitively think that Boston is just going to win game six. I think Bam is tremendous, even though Rob Williams did not play in that game. Uh, Tice started in that game and they got down early. Um, So it's just, it's a really, it's a strange series. I think Boston is the better team. And I think Boston's defense is one of the best defenses that I can remember seeing, honestly. Um, what, if you were Eric Spolstra, and I'm going to really quickly plug a story that I wrote about Eric Spolstra on SI.com, it's our daily cover today, so go check that out. But if you were Eric Spolstra, who in my opinion is the best coach in the NBA and has been the best coach for at least three, four years, I want to say, maybe longer, I don't know. Um, is there anything you can, you can do with what you have at your disposal? Like, how can you muster a win in game six going back to Boston with the pieces that are are healthy? I mean, Tyler Hero, as we record this, is a game-time decision. Spo just spoke it uh, at Heat Shootaround and said that he's trying to do everything he can to get right, but his groin is still kind of preventing him from from operating in a way that would make him obviously available. Like, can I give like what I think real quick, and then I'll sure, let you answer? Please, I'd love to hear a lot of talking. Um, no, please, good. I, th- <laughs> I think Lowry. I don't know if I would be playing Lowry a lot of minutes for the rest of this series. I think I would start. This is kind of a, a, against how Spo has operated throughout the postseason, where he has prioritized defense at all costs. But I would start Gabe Vincent, who gave you a lot of. I mean, he's given you a lot, I think, in this whole run, but particularly in this series offensively. And I would start Duncan Robinson as well 
And I would just say, mm-hmm. all, all right, we are we got uh, we're maximizing our shooting. We're maximizing our spacing. We're maximizing our our, our man movement and our our off ball actions, and just making Boston work as much as possible. Making Boston's defenders stay locked in on every half court possession. We're gonna try to open things up for Bam, open driving lanes. We're gonna try to open things up for Jimmy as much as we can. Um, I I don't know if that's a recipe for success, honestly, because of just how Boston's defense has looked, even with Duncan in the game, and when they have gone small, Boston has really handled that fine. I thought. I thought. Um, and then on the other end, Boston has really just like punish Duncan Robinson defensively as they are want to do, um, as any team is want to do. Uh, you, you saw that, that possession where Jalen had that dunk coming down the middle. That was because they hid Duncan Robinson on Al Horford and they brought Al Horford up to set a ball screen. And Duncan Robinson kind of like screened his own man a little bit. Like their coverage was just like, what are, what are they even doing? Um, so as I'm talking, I'm like, maybe starting Duncan isn't a great idea, but I just I don't know what the but, options are. But that's the truth, buddy. And that's I think that's kind of what <laughs> I, I, I had like a bunch of question marks next to this because like but just I think you have to throw the kitchen sink strategy at a lot of stuff right now, hoping to generate enough offense. So that's where Duncan Robinson uh comes up. Uh-huh. I think you probably want to use Oladipo plenty in this game. Uh which and maybe even earlier than you normally would. I don't know if that means starting him. I don't know. I'm not sure, but you got to try some different stuff. You have to get the ball moving, and that's why I think Duncan Robinson makes sense to try. You you got to open up stuff for Bam a little bit because he's been shadowed pretty heavily in this series. Like, granted, I'm team. I want Bam to shoot more as well, uh, especially mm-hmm. after what he did in Game Three. We know the the capability is there. Um. But it, it's a lot easier for him to do that when there's a lot of other movement happening and you can't just key in on him. Like you don't really want him in a situation where the defense is watching and waiting for him to do something. He's not just going to back somebody down for five, six seconds. Like it's not who he is. So if you've got other guys that are some sort of threat from a, a, a movement standpoint, from a three-point shooting standpoint, that's helpful. And I think that you you hit the nail on the head with like reducing Lowry's role um, – I mean, they've been better without him. He, he he still does stuff that is helpful, but you you have to be able to be a scoring threat. Like I just feel like putting somebody out there that's not one in this series is just asking to lose at some point. Which I hate saying that about Kyle Lowry, but I I do fully trust that he's not right. That, again, that he's either at the very end of his career or he's not right. And I'm gonna bank on the idea that he's not physically right and hope that that's the case. So. I assume that you are picking Boston to win game six then? I think so. I just, Miami could win. I just haven't seen like what that is. It's going to require a shift in some sort of strategy that will hopefully knock our socks off, uh, you know, and and give us a really good game six and possibly a game seven. Um, But I haven't seen whatever it is or what it will be. Certainly not from the last two games. And I, I guess we'll close on. I had a question for you in the outline that's kind of stupid, but um, 
I don't know. I feel like it's fun to talk about this in some sick way, but uh, Joel Embiid during game five tweeted, uh, Miami needs another star. And I just, I don't know how to react to it. And I feel like it's a f- something. I just wanted to kind of get your your read on that one. These two, I, I like Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are like flirting with each other publicly in a way that's like, it's very interesting to me. Um, and they seem like they, they really miss one another. They really miss being teammates. And I first want to say that I don't think Miami, I don't agree with the tweet. I guess like Miami was number one. Miami just beat Philly. Um, when healthy, which Jimmy Butler is not healthy, Kyle Lowry is not healthy, Tyler Hero is not healthy. Like when healthy, this team is for sure a championship contender and can win the title as constructed. I think I don't know if anyone would argue with that. So I don't think they need another star. And I'm already giving way too much like seriousness to <laughs> yeah. this tweet. And I, I apologize. I'm hearing that. <laughs> um. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts, Chris, um, on this? The spiciness that Joel. I has? was just surprised he'd sent it. I mean, even for him, uh, I was just, like, not that Joel Embiid's ever been afraid of pissing people off. I just could imagine that maybe certain people don't appreciate seeing that at all, let alone in the middle of a series. You know, if these teams play against each other again, I could imagine that you got some people that are not going to be overly thrilled about having him having sent the tweet um more than that i don't make more of it than that um but i'm right there with you where maybe i don't want joel Embiid as a gm either uh you know along with lebron and a few other people in this league uh they they are fine when they're at full strength uh they're better than philly at full strength uh is this a shot at bam at a bio like i don't i don't even understand it or is it like what like i don't get it (laughs) <laughs> can you explain it to me yeah yeah that part of it i had not even really considered like because i was thinking about it from the standpoint of like well do they need another so they could everybody could use one but sure um bam you know and just to kind of be real about the way he's felt he seemingly feels like he is one you know he felt slighted that he didn't get it wasn't a finalist for defense player of the year he didn't make first team all defense uh so i mean on some level, if you feel like you were deserving of awards and honors and you're not getting them, you probably feel like you're a star, which the only thing I hope that comes from it is like, I hope it lights a fire under people. Uh, it gives us more fun stuff to talk about next season. And hopefully, you know, and that, again, it felt like when Bam came out after game three, everybody was saying Bam has to do more. I imagine the, the coaches were telling him that too. That, like, just be more mm-hmm. aggressive. He did it. And it shifted the series for a minute. And gave them a 2-1 lead. So, if anything, you're just hopeful that it actually lights that fire again. Uh, or, or lights the fire. Because it, you know, those are spicy words. I, I don't really know what the impetus for it was. I don't know. But it was interesting. And I remember, I mean, I immediately sent it to our group chat. Like, whoa, you see this? Um, you normally don't see players talk about that unless they're retired. Or, yeah, even then, you normally don't see that very often. Bizarre stuff bizarre stuff um well i guess that'll do it for today's show chris uh 
hopefully we get a, a an entertaining game six. Um, I'm going to selfishly take off my professional hat and say hopefully the Boston Celtics win. Uh, <laughs> but but hopefully, no, hopefully in all seriousness, it's a good game. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone, hopefully Tyler Hero plays. Hopefully Kyle Lowry, if he does play, he looks like Kyle Lowry. Um, hopefully we just get like peak playoff conference finals caliber basketball that's what we should all want and and hope for um but that's going to do it for today's show chris thank you so much for your expertise and your insight thank you so much to our listeners for all the emails they were fantastic this week um please keep them coming to openfloormail at gmail.com that's openfloormail at gmail.com everybody stay safe everybody continue to enjoy the nba playoffs Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 